Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the latest installment of the World Football Index podcast. I'll be your host tonight, Armando Angulo, and as always, I'll be joined by my co-host Dave Karen. Uh, I also have two. We also have two phenomenal guests. Uh, we, they're guests that have been on the show uh, many times before, and that's Adam Brandon and Austin Miller. Uh, they're two gentlemen that are going to help us discuss Copa Libertadores. Guys, how are you, Adam? How are you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. I'm good, thank you. How are you, Austin? I'm good. Hanging in there. Uh, still cold. Had some snow on the ground this past weekend, so it is a usual April in Chicago, Illinois. So you know, hanging in there, making do. <laughs> how about you, Dave? I doubt it's snowing down there in Brazil, huh? Fucking gravy from the we made it. It's like 35 degrees here tonight, complete opposite. But very nice to be here. Nice to have you back again as well, Amando. Uh, it's been too long. Oh, I know, man. Kind of life gets in the way a little bit. Uh, but I'm excited to talk about uh, Libertadores, as I'm sure we all are. Um, it's been an exciting. Yeah, because we've been so we've been sort of sinking in your absence with these uh, Mexican teams. It's, it's nice. To, it's nice to actually get some input on them. <laughs> well, it's it's nice that uh, well, it's good that I'm back then, and we can discuss them because they're both seem to be flying in their groups, and uh, I think that that's probably a good place to start. I mean, in Group Seven, Pumas has been playing phenomenally uh they, they've been playing uh, out of their minds they've picked up 12 points and really dominating the, that group you know it's something that i kind of expected out of that group that they they are the strongest team there they are the the, the mexican team that i expected to get uh furthest in the competition and and really the the only blip on their uh on the in this libertadores fixtures for them has been the deportivo chajira loss and and it, you know it's okay you know, it has a tough match. It was one that you they were probably expected to win, but it, it bumps along the road, especially in a busy uh, Clausura tournament, you know, in Liga MX, and, and, and them trying to get into like, the Ligue and, and the playoffs there. Um, and, you know, and, and we'll touch on the other Mexican team, and, and, and that's uh, Toluca. Toluca's really surprising me. They're, they're leading their group as well, with a group with Gremio, San Lorenzo, Quito. That's a good group, you guys know, and, and as you guys know, and Toluca's probably surprising me because I didn't expect them probably to be so far ahead in this group. I expected them to compete, but but to be this far ahead is probably really surprising, and it's it, it's exciting for Mexican football because it's always great to have these teams represent Mexican football and get outside of the group stages. But but enough about the Mexican teams. I guess I recapped that pretty okay and quick for you guys. Uh, let's just touch on, on maybe you know the, the Chilean side of things, Adam. What are your thoughts so far on the competition? You know these last couple of games and these upcoming fixtures uh, today, tomorrow, and uh, Thursday. Well, um, unfortunately, well, two of the three Chilean sides that qualified for the Copa Libertadores are already out, and that's uh, Universidad de Chile, who went out in the playoff uh, stage, and uh, Cobresal, who were one of the first teams to exit in the in the group stage, and they've still got two games to play, uh, but they've lost four out of four so far. Uh, Cobresal suffered badly with three key injuries, um, their key midfielder, 
Luis Valenzuela and their strikers, uh, Eva Benitez and, uh, sorry, um, Eva Cantera and Jonathan Benitez, um, got injured in that first game against Corinthians, which they were really unlucky to lose in the, in the last minute of an own goal. And they never really recovered from that. Their league form suffered in it. And, uh, it looked like they could battle against relegation as well here in the Chilean league. But at the moment, they, uh, they're looking safe there. But yeah, the, the Copa Libertadores campaign was certainly a uh, competition too far, especially with the injuries they've had. Um, I suppose uh, uh, the other team I should talk about is Colo Colo, no? Absolutely, man. Well, that's uh, so an absolutely huge game coming up for them on Thursday night um, against Independiente del Valle of Ecuador. They have to win the game to go through. Colo Colo are in terrible form at the moment. They've... Uh, they haven't won in their last five in in uh, Chile and Clausura, a record which has seen them uh, lose lose their grip on top spot. And uh, they've only scored one goal from open play in the league as well. But last week we saw a remarkable turnaround from from uh, Colo Colo in the Copa Libertadores match against Melga in uh, in Arequipa in Peru. Mel- Melga, who had already been eliminated early on, and but they took the lead against Colo Colo. It looked uh, for all the world that they were going to hang on. Colo Colo didn't show anything at all and it looked like it was going to be another disappointing year in the Copa Libertadores for Chilean sides. But then Esteban Paredes, the man who has pulled Colo Colo out of fire so many times before, popped up with a brace in the space of a of about five minutes to somehow steal victory and they are still alive and they go into this huge game on Thursday looking to qualify for the last 16. Yeah, man, it's been a tough group, and it's a tightly contested group like a lot of these groups have been. Uh, but let's swing it around, and, and Dave, let's get a little bit of a Brazilian perspective from you and Austin, but I'll come to you first, man. What have you been your thoughts uh, on the on the competition so far, and what are your thoughts on these fixtures for the Brazilian sides coming up? I mean, we have this week, we're, we're going to have uh, Sao Paulo-River Plate. That's, that's going to be a very tough matchup for it's all about that one. <laughs> who's really, who's really in a, in, a, in a tough spot, right? Let's talk about Sao Paulo. Go ahead, man. Well, t- to be honest with you, Mando, and <clears throat> I'm sure uh, Austin will echo this one. You, you know, Sao Paulo would probably have been considered the, the weakest of the, of the Brazilians going into it. You know, get, getting the group with River Plate as well, and the strongest that trip to to the top of the world. But to be honest with you, that a cracking win. Um, I think it was six uh, nil last week. And, uh, you, you know, they, they look pretty good, but, uh, you know, they got the draw in, in Buenos Aires, uh, last time with River Plate. And pro- probably lucky to have got that. Um, River Plate and Boca have, have sort of woken up this week and in the past week. And, uh, you know, Boca have scored their first goals in the competition. River Plate stuck five, um, five in in their game. And, and they look, they look a real proposition all of a sudden from, from looking, you know, just sort of, tepidly working their way into the tournament they, they seem to have woken up and you know I would actually fear even with with the home advantage I think I don't know what Austin would feel about it but you know I think River Plate would be the favourites going into this one and you know the way the group stands Sao Paulo needs something out of it definitely needs something out of it because you would fancy you know the strongest to win as well um, in, in the coming fixture so it's really make or break for Sao Paulo. Um, but, but again, it, out, of, out of all the Brazilian sides, maybe they were the, the, you know, the weakest going into the tournament. But I, I, you know, I said in the preview pod and whatnot, I thought that they would maybe, you know, scrape out of this group and so on. But at the moment, you know, okay, there's only three points, uh, difference between them and River Plate, but I, 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 I don't know. I just, I'll get a bad feeling. The, the way River performed, uh, uh, you know, in the week past, there they they were breathtaking at times. Some wonderful football they played. And if they come to Sao Paulo with that attitude, I, I just don't see Sao Paulo surviving it. To be honest with you, yeah, no, it's definitely going to be a tough uh, a tough test. Uh, with, with Sao Paulo's back against the wall, we, we, we maybe you know we will see them come out with their best, come out firing, and get a, a big result against River. Uh, Austin, what are your thoughts on that matchup, man? And and maybe after that, give us a little bit of thoughts on the Grêmio matchup as well. I think Sao Paulo are there. They really do have their backs up against the wall you guys are exactly right in that and their last performance in this competition they did hang six goals but it was against Trujianos who's a Venezuelan team and, and as we've said plenty of times those are the sides that you're kind of expected to put a lot of goals up against and so it was a very impressive performance and all credit to them but it's going to be a lot more difficult against Heber Plate than it ever was against Trujianos and 
This is their fifth match in the group stage. Their sixth match does not get any easier because they're going to be 13,000 feet above sea level taking on the strongest. And so Sao Paulo really need to get something out of this match, but they also have to have to keep a corner of their eye out on the strongest because if the strongest can go and get a road result against Trujianos in Venezuela, which I understand the strongest have traditionally struggled away from home in this competition, but they went to Sao Paulo and beat Sao Paulo at the Pacaembu this year. And they have a chance against Trujianos to even just take a point and put themselves in pretty good position to get out of this group. So it'll be really interesting to see what they're able to do to, on Tuesday against Trujianos and then what Sao Paulo are able to do on Wednesday against Hero Plate. Uh, Jonathan Caletti, who, who came to Sao Paulo from Boca Junior, was really impressive. He scored four goals against Trujianos. He started off with a bang. He scored goals in his first two matches and then he did not score until that match against Trujianos. So to kind of see him get back on the score sheet it's probably pretty impressive for them, but it, they have their work cut out for them. He replayed have kind of hit their form in this competition and really showed what makes them a dangerous side. And some Paulo have just kind of been floundering around. There's really some questions in the midfield. Paulo and Gigi Gonzo is a very, very kind of up and down figure. Is it, it going to be a good Gonzo game or is it going to be a bad Gonzo game? Is Coletti going to be able to, to score up top? They have some issues between the sticks with Demi's trying to replace Rogerio Senni, he hasn't been all that he's cracked up to be. So there's a lot of holes in this squad that they're going to have to fill and fill quick against Heaver Plate. As for Gremio, they haven't necessarily been so impressive in this competition, just five points from their first four matches played. But this team has a lot of attacking talent. In fact, this Gremio side is actually one of the sides that I would peg to win the Brazil down just because of the wealth of talent that they have. They have Luan up top. They have the Ecuadorian Miller Bolaños, who has been very impressive so far. He broke his jaw, actually, in a state league match about a month back. He's nearing his return. It does not look like he'll play against Quito on Wednesday. So that'll be a big loss for them. But they have a big talent of talented attacking players. Luan, who is 22. They have Lincoln, who is, I believe, 17, who is very young and another name to keep an eye on. And then they have a lot of veterans. They have Douglas in the midfield. And Tilo Groi is one of Brazil's best goalkeepers in net. So it's a Gremio side that is going on the road to Quito, but if they can get a point from that or, or even a win, they're going to be looking pretty good to get out of this group because they still have a home match against Toluca left. And, and as you said, Mondo, Toluca have been good in this competition, but it's so hard for the Mexican teams in this competition to go on the road because it is such a journey. It's so hard for any team to go and play a Mexican team. We've seen Toluca and Pumas both be very dominant at home, and it's the exact opposite when they have to go on the road because – just the amount of travel that it takes to play these games is just so difficult. So that's going to be really interesting to see that Toluca Gremio match, which is not this week. That'll be the sixth match for Gremio, so it'll be next week. But that group is kind of up in the air. Toluca look like they're going to get out, but San Lorenzo, who won this competition just two years ago, have yet to get a win. So there's a lot going on in that group, and that Gremio Quito game is going to definitely bring a lot of clarity to what's going to happen out of this group. Out of group six. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. It's definitely crunch time. It's getting to that time in that group, especially, in, like you said, for that second spot there. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on the Gremio Quito matchup, man? Uh, to be honest with you, again, it, it's Gremio, are, as Austin said, could be a surprise package this year, uh, and, and it would be a surprise package. Um, you know, you, you look at the likes of Corinthians, that, you know, like they're, they're sitting top of their group, and, and to be honest with you, they haven't really set the world on fire in doing so. Now, you know, we've spoken in these pods before about, you know, it takes time to build into a tournament and so on. And, and yes, they are sitting top. But, you know, if you look at it um, at the moment, I think if, if you were another side uh, and, you, and you were looking at, at the knockout phases, I think you'd much prefer to, to, to avoid Gremio than you would uh, Corinthians on current form. They've done, they've done actually very well. Um, I, I do expect them to get out of that group, Mando. I really do. But, uh, you know, like these Mexican sides are, are putting up a, a really good showing this year. And, you know, I watched both games, uh, both the Mexican games last week and, and we're very, very impressed with them. And, and that kit as well, I think we discussed it as well. I think is it, is it Toluca or, or Puma? Was it, was it Pumas, uh, Mando? Has the really nice kit, the sort of goldy kit? Yeah, it's Pumas. It's Pumas. It has that classic gold and a yeah. navy look. Yeah, I, I really like that, by the way. <laughs> On that, and but as I say, you know, like Pumas, Pumas are already through. Um, you know that they have the points and everything amassed. Toluca basically the same. So Gremio are sitting, you know, five points uh, taken from the four games, and, and everyone else below them is three. It's, it's not a foregone conclusion, but but they do look the, you know, they do look good going into this, and you would sort of expect with the other two teams that the Gremio will be the side going through. 
Yeah, man, absolutely. There's definitely a lot to play for here and up for grabs for these Brazilian sides. Adam, let me swing it over to you, man, and let me ask you, you know, another big matchup here Wednesday is is a little bit of an Argentinian tussle here. Uh, Racing Club and Boca Juniors both, uh, you know, one and two in their respective group. What are your thoughts on that matchup, man? How do you expect that to go out, uh, to turn out? Well, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. These are two sides who know each other very well, obviously. Boca grabbed a huge win over Bolivar in it, it, last time out. So they'll be looking, they'll be looking to build on that in, in, in this one. Racing look like they're, they're probably going to win the group. But if Boca can grab a victory here, then, then they could surpass them. Uh, but it does look like these two are probably going to go through now. Um, I think, I think, uh, I think Bolivar sort of mucked their chance up when they, uh, conceded that late equalizer against Boca, which was, which was a huge goal for Boca Juniors. And it, and it, and it, and it came when Boca Juniors had just appointed Baris Chiletti as, Chiloto, sorry, as their, as their new manager. And, uh, um, and he came in and he was unbeaten in his first four games, I think it was. And, uh, and he suffered a, Feet against his former club La Luz in a match I watched um, a few weeks back now, but they've recovered and they've bounced back from that again, and uh, they won three 0 But then they then they lost again this weekend. So Boca are a little bit inconsistent at the moment. I think they're still finding their feet. I think uh, I think the loss of uh, Jonathan Caleri to Sao Paulo hit them hit them hard. They haven't they haven't quite got um, they haven't got quite enough up front. They've got Tevez obviously, but. Um, I think they're really missing Caleri. Absolutely, man. I can't. I, can't, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Um, Austin, what are your thoughts, man, on this matchup? And then I want to ask you also about uh, another big, you know, game that we always look forward to watching in this competition, uh, and that's uh, Atlético Nacional games, and that's due to uh, Marlos Moreno. But first, let me get your thoughts on this Argentinian matchup. Yeah, the Argentinian sides haven't exactly been incredibly impressive in this competition. Uh, Heaver Plate maybe being the exception to that, but they've been certainly strong enough. I mean, Heaver are going to definitely get out of that group. Racing and Boca look like they're going to get out of that group. Rosario Central is in a pretty good position to get out of group two. Michigan, thanks to that'll probably be at the expense of my beloved Palmeiras. In group four, Udacan are currently sitting pretty to get out of that. So the Argentinian sides have, have done really well in this competition so far. They're, they're, they're looking very good. And so... As we've said plenty of times, you know, you can kind of work your way into this competition. A team that's talented enough to be able to do that at, as Boca and, and Racing and, and Hivar are, you can benefit from that. And so I think that's what's going, going to help Boca as, as we go on. And this match will be big because a result for Boca is probably going to be beneficial for them because Bolivar have kind of had their chance and lost it. They had a home match against Boca that they could not get the full three points from. And so it's going to be difficult. I think to see Bolivar getting out of this group. So Boca Juniors and, and Racing are definitely the two teams that I see getting out of Group Three. As for Atlético Nacional, uh, it's it's an interesting match this week because they are sitting on 12 points. They they've they've gotten qualification out of their group so far, out of Group Four. They're they're a perfect 12 for 12. They've yet to concede a goal. They have, without a doubt, been the starlets of this competition. Marlos Moreno, of course, is the one who's grabbing the headlines, but it has been a, a, an impressive overall performance from this entire team. And they're playing a Sporting Cristal side that's that's still in the thick of things in Group 4. Udacan sit on six points. Sporting Cristal sit on four points. Udacan play a Peñarol side that has really struggled in this competition. So if Udacan get the full three, the pressure is really on Cristal, who, who dropped the match to Udacan last week, to get a result against Atletico Nacional at home. So I'm curious to see how motivated or maybe unmotivated this Atletico Nacional team is. So far from what we've seen from Marlos Moreno, motivation doesn't seem like it's ever going to be a question, but it could get brought into question because they have secured their qualification and with a home match left, it looks like they're probably going to have the highest point total, which will give them that number one seed heading into the round of 16. So I think this could be a little bit of a banana peel for them. I think they still have a lot to play for and I think Nacional have a little bit of a case to be unmotivated in this one. So I think that'll be really interesting to watch. And they could potentially also just go and win 4-0, and that wouldn't be surprising either. Yeah, definitely an exciting team to watch. And neither would it would surprise me. Uh, but I do expect them to come out and, and look rather sharp as they have the entire competition. Dave, what are your thoughts on what Atletico Nacional is doing? And, and, and maybe... Uh, 
how you see them progressing throughout this tournament? Well, I talked about the two Argentinian giants sort of coming to life at the right time. Um, you know, as Austin rightly said there, um, you know, these these guys sort of burst into life from from match one. And you, so you, you saw, you know, rightly so, he's, the dangers there of them, them burning out too quickly or, or going sour on them. But they, they are by far and away probably, probably – um, along with uh, Rosario Central, who, who I really do enjoy watching, they're, they're the two standouts for, for me this year. But I, I can't, to be honest with you, I can't see Nacional um, not topping this group, not having the most points amassed. Um, you know, certainly on the evidence, they, they look aside full of energy. They look aside playing for each other. Um, you, you know, we have that mer- mercurial talent of, of uh, Marlos Moreno. Uh, you never quite know what you're going to get with him. You know, nobody knows, and that's sort of part of the fun of it and when you have a player like that and, and you know you have a team ethic the way they have I, I just don't you know I, I really don't see them maybe they'll maybe drop points but but I don't see them being beaten um, I do see as Austin said them being the number one seed but uh, I, I, I don't think I can't see a collapse really I, I certainly hope not um, I would like to see them go real deep in this tournament because, as I say, they, they are a joy to watch, man. Yeah, they've definitely been uh, the most exciting team in the tournament. Uh, aside from the Mexican teams, it's what I really uh, get, get have been getting up for and excited to watch as this tournament has progressed. Uh, you know, me and my dad have been have been having even discussions about this, and uh, he's he's pretty excited about the kid. So, so that's how you know when my dad's talking about a Colombian ball player. That's how you know that uh, he's kind of a big deal. Uh, but uh, I think this is a good time for us. To take a break uh, on the on the next side on the other side of this break we're going to talk about the rest of the brazilian squads and, and maybe give give you guys a little bit uh, of, of some predictions uh for coming up for the rest of this tournament so just stay tuned and uh, we'll see you after this break you're listening, you're listening to welcome back guys uh like we said, I want to discuss the rest of these Brazilian sides, but I want to get an outsider's perspective first. So, Adam, uh, Corinthians is flying high in their group. Atlético uh, Mineiro is also flying high in their group. The one team that uh, kind of that we haven't discussed too much, and it's kind of a question, is Palmeiras. What are your thoughts on these teams, three sides, and uh, do you think Palmeiras has enough to to battle back and get out of their, their respective group? No, I think uh, I think Palmeiras blew their chance um, when they led away to Rosario Central last week, and um, and, they, and they let their lead slip. They they also um, got reduced to ten men. I think that's right. No, Austin, you can probably. Confirm that. Yeah, yeah, oh, the, yeah. There was it a was, red. Yeah, it was a two. It was a two-one <laughs> lead for Palmeiras. Gabriel Jesus hit the post, and it really all went downhill after that. Yeah. Uh, he saw a red later on, and then Lucas Bajos pulled one back, which gave them a lifeline. Um, so Thursday will be big for them, and we can get into that in a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think Rosario Central only need a draw away to uh, away to Nacional. They're already qualified. Yeah, I I, I just see. National Rosario Central going through in that group. I don't have much hope for Palmeiras, unfortunately, for Austin, who is, of course, our resident Palmeiras fan. Your dog doesn't seem to agree with you there, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Austin, tell, give me your thoughts. Man. What are your thoughts on Palmeiras? Like, like, like Adam said, you're our resident Palmeiras guy, so, so. Do you think they have enough, man? Oh, man, I'm not feeling great about it. I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest with you. Man, so that match happened last Thursday, the Rosario Central match. I'm pretty sure every single night going to bed after that, I've had visions of Gabriel Jesus's shot when it was 2-1 that rattled the post. And if that shot goes in, it just feels like it's a completely different tournament for this team. I was impressed with how they played against Rosario, especially on the offensive side. Uh, the difficulty for them from day one of this season has been the defending and it was poor as usual uh they gave away a a a couple set piece opportunities Rosario had some really nice set pieces um it's going to be difficult for Palmeiras to get out of this group uh in the simplest way possible what needs to happen is Nacional needs to beat Rosario Central Palmeiras needs to beat Heaver Plate of Uruguay we're sure of that needs to happen in those what probably is going to be the most likely scenario is that combined there will be a goal differential of four so get out your calculators work your abacus however you do your math that's probably going to be what it takes to get Palmeiras out of this group a draw or win for Rosario and it's curtains no matter what Palmeiras does they need to win and probably hang a number on River Plate and more importantly for them not give up a number to a, a side that scored two goals on them in the home match, also pegged them back twice in that match. 
the difficult thing for Palmeiras for me in this competition has been in two away matches to River Plate of Uruguay and Rosario Central of Argentina, Palmeiras scored five goals and they only got two points from it. They gave up two to River Plate and they gave up three to Rosario Central. The defending has just been poor. Uh, at times, the defenders have looked out of position. At times, they've looked slow. Uh, it was my request for this team coming into this season that they would improve the defense, and that hasn't been the case. Uh, the attacking has been impressive. Gabriel Jesus, their 19-year-old attacker, has been has been phenomenal, to be honest with you. Uh, up top, it's been a rotating cast of characters. Uh, Alexandro has performed well at points. Lucas Barrios, the Paraguayan, has performed well at points. Dudu on the other wing uh, picked up a knock in the state league competition a couple weeks back. Uh, did score the game-winning goal in the state league derby against Corinthians, which was impressive to see. But he did not feature against Rosario Central. We will see if he's going to feature against Heaver Plate. In the midfield, this team kind of still doesn't have a playmaker. Uh, Jorge Valdivia, who I'm sure Adam knows well uh, from his Chilean national team days, uh, left this left this side a couple years ago. And since then, Palmeiras hasn't had that number ten that can break down a defense. Um, so that'll be something to look for eventually for this team, but it's a side that has a lot of pieces that just the defense has let them down so far. The goal scoring hasn't been an issue for them in any of their competitions. Really. It's just been, they've been incapable of defending at, at the rate that they need to, to be successful. So it's going to take a lot to get out of this group on Thursday night. I will be watching with bated breath, but I've, I've got to be honest with you. I, I'm just not too hopeful for this team. And, and it stinks because there is, like I said, there's a lot of talent there. I think Kuko is a pretty good manager. He's who they brought in after Marcelo Oliveira got the boot. So we'll see what happens on Thursday. Uh, but it's probably going to be focus on the Brazilian down for this side after that. Also, Palmeiras have been leaky, but at the same time, their goalkeeper has probably been one of the most impressive players in the tournament so far. Um, and that's, and th- yeah, and that's what makes it even worse. Fernando Pras is one of the best goalkeepers in this tournament. He's saved a penalty there. He saved a penalty against Corinthians in the State League. He's been pretty much all over the place. Uh, he's been phenomenal to watch. He was massive at the end of last year to get them into the Libertadores in the Copa do Brasil. So the fact that they have a goalkeeper who is performing so well and are still giving up this many goals, it just lets you know how poor. Yeah, you know, and then like you said, it's been a, it's been a recurring theme for them, and it's not anything that's new. It's just a shame that it hasn't been rectified. Dave, coming to you, man, what are your thoughts on this matchup on Thursday for Palmeiras, and then what are your thoughts overall? Are you uh, sharing the sentiments that Austin here has, and not too confident on them getting uh, through their group? I've really enjoyed uh, Rosario Central, to be honest with you, uh, Mando. I really have enjoyed that team. The, in, in the in the Libertadores, and I, I just think they're too strong. I really do think that they're too strong not to qualify. And as rightly said, you know, Palmeiras had their big opportunity against Rosario. Um, you know that that striker, their captain, what do you call Ruben, has really really impressed me in this tournament. And I think he's really you know going to be a difference to them um, in, in the last two games. And, and sadly, you know, because Palmeiras, you know, as as Austin rightly said, they may not be the greatest defensively. But, you know, there's some nice play going forward. And, and as, you know, a favorite player of Austin's again, Gabriel Jesus, awesome player, c- could be a big name in the future uh, if, if his development keeps going the way it's going. But again, uh, sadly, I, I'm, sadly, I would have to say, I don't think you'll see Palmeiras in, in, in the knockout phases. Oh, and that's, that's, I, I know that's disappointing for, for Austin, but I guess it's the sad realization of, of what's occurring with that side right now in this competition. Uh, but let's stick with you, Dave. Atletico, Atletico Mineiro's uh, going to be coming up against uh, per, uh, Melgar. What, do, what are your thoughts on that? The, you know, Mineiro's flying high and Melgar's bottom of the group. I mean, it, it seems like pretty straightforward, yeah? Yeah, well, Melgar put up quite a good performance, actually, um, against Colo-Colo last week. And, you know, at, in the end of it all, Colo-Colo sort of raised their game, as, Austin, or, or as Adam had said. And, and really, you know, Melgar looked okay. But I think, and Austin will probably echo this one as well, I think uh, Monero have been sort of the surprise for us. Um, I, I, I really had no expectations for them going in. I didn't really know what to expect of them. And they've performed actually very, very, very well. Um, you know, I, I do expect them to go through. Uh, with the points the way they are at the minute, it's really difficult to see them not going through. Uh, and, and very, very well deserved, to be honest with you. Um, as I say, it, it's, I'm not watching a great deal of Brazilian teams at the minute, other than the Libertadores, because the, the state championships from here just throw away. They're a complete waste of time. And, you know, the, even the standard of football in them at times and some of the size of the teams, you know, it's like, like maybe the FA Cup in England where, you, where you're playing minnows. 
Um, you know, it's just really not a spectacle that, that I enjoy. Um, even the knockout phases of, of that, I don't enjoy. So say my, my, I, I'm not sure how they're doing in that because until the league starts, I don't really pay much attention to it. Uh, but certainly, uh, Monero, again, like if, if you're looking at the Brazilian teams, um, as I say, you'd want to avoid them as well. I don't know what it is. And maybe Austin, maybe you can ch- chip in on this one. Just Corinthians, out of all the size of the Libertadores, if, if you were looking for, for to pick one of the Brazilian teams to draw, if you were, you know, from the non-Brazilian side, I, I think you'd be after Corinthians. You know, they, they have just not really clicked into this competition. I think they're the weakest, or, well, not maybe the weakest, but the, their performances would suggest that they would be the easy, easiest beaten. I, yeah, I agree with you. Corinthians have these 10 points, but they only have seven goals. And they've only scored five of those seven goals. As, as Adam can quickly tell you, Corinthians were extremely fortunate to get out of Kobe South right. with, with three points. Yeah, was, they got an, they got an own goal. They got an own goal in the 90th minute. And that's kind of been this team's MO this year is they just kind of aren't very good. And then at the end, something happens. Generally, it's a penalty or a mistake from the other side, and they've snatched the three points without looking all that good. They lost, as we mentioned in the preview podcast, so many players from last year's last year's championship team. Really, the only big returners for them are Casio, who is in goal, and um, El- Elias, who's in the midfield. They've had to replace some of the players up top. They still don't have a goal scorer. I guess they didn't have a goal scorer last year. Uh, Wagner Lovey kind of passes for a goal scorer, but he's not a goal scorer. Uh, they still really don't have one. They're just kind of rotating bodies up there, and every once in a while they'll poach a goal in. But I could absolutely see this Corinthians team getting the three or the four seed in the round of 16 and then going up against a scrappy, physical, hardworking side, and they could very easily bow out of this competition in the round of 16 this for the second year running because they're just not all that talented. So yes, they have 10 points, but I think it's a very deceptive 10 points. They've just kind of done what they've needed to do at the lowest possible level. And so going forward for Corinthians, I'm interested to see what happens to them. They're going to get out of this group because the Atlanta Corinthians is a fortress. It's so difficult to go there and win and, and they play a Cobra Salt team that is yet to pick up a point. So that's, they're going to get out of the group. I don't think there's any question about that. But I, I can't oh, see them awesome. advancing. But awesome. what, what did you make of, of the game with Santa Fe uh, in the week past? Because again, I thought Santa Fe were robbed. So this this is when this is when the Copa Libertadores rather kind of makes me upset. In that three matches that were very attractive kicked off at the exact same time last week. Corinthians Santa Fe. Uh, I believe it was Minedo's match, it, or maybe it was. I think it was Atlético Minedo's match and Palmeiras's match were all at the same time. So everything from the Corinthians game for me is is coming secondhand, but they just kind of seemed a little unmotivated. They were just kind of there for the ride, and they knew that if they got a draw, they would be fine, and, and they took the draw, and they went home, and they went back to Brazil. And that's just kind of been what they've done in this tournament and in the Paulistown. They have what their, what their goal is for a match. They want to either try to win it, try to draw it, and they just kind of do that, and they do it in the kind of easiest way possible, and they're done. They have not been overly impressive. And so if I if Corinthians showed up on the other side of the round of 16 for me and I was a manager, I'd be pretty happy because I could definitely tell my team this team is beatable and we can go and get this. There's also something strange which has happened in three of Corinthians uh, matches so far in this competition. That is that there's been a, a blackout in three of their matches. <laughs> they can't keep the lights on no matter where they go. They, the they, lights they, they, bore the, they bore the lights <laughs> off the I game. guess. I guess. I guess so. <laughs> but would you would you fancy Santa Fe going through? Uh, you know, and I know that you you've probably seen some there, Adam, as well. I, I don't know. I just, I just I really like the brand of football that Santa Fe play as well. Uh, there's a young winger they have there, uh, Rivas, I think his name is, and super player, uh, and another young defender as well. This is the thing about the, the you know the 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 Colombian teams. There's some great young players seem to be in it, and you know, like I say, that young lad Rivas is some pace on him. He, you know, pacey wide man. Really, really like 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 to see him, you know, go go deep in this tournament as well, just because I enjoy watching these guys. Yeah, sure. Um, well, for those who who don't know, Santa Fe have had quite a lot of upheaval in recent weeks. Their their manager, uh, Gerardo Peluso, who won um, the Copa Sudamericana with Santa Fe last year, 
he walked out the club after their star player Omar Perez uh, walked out the club basically. But the the two were the two had a war of words in the press. Around 400 Santa Fe fans protested outside the team hotel, and that kind of forced the resignation of Pelusa. So yeah, it was a it was a it was a bizarre situation. Um, standing coach Augustin Julio came in for the for the last game. He refused to comment on the situation with Perez, but. I, I noted that uh, Perez was back in the Santa Fe lineup at the weekend, so I, I think we'll be seeing more of him off the bench. Yeah, so it's 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 a strange one that the Santa Fe fans kind of have chosen their side um, with this one, with choosing the star man over their manager. You know, Peluso is a very talented manager in South America. Yeah, like I say, he won the Copa Sudamericana with Santa Fe last year, and he also took Universidad de Chile to the semis in 2010. You know, this is a guy who knows what he's doing in this competition. And um, so, yeah, for, for the directors of that club and for the fans of that club to let that situation escalate was bizarre, in my opinion, but very South American at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Very South American, man. And, uh, well, I mean, that's definitely going to have an impact on this, on this team going forward in this tournament. So, I mean, you can never, uh, you know, sell that too short, but, uh, like, like, uh, you know, Dave was saying, I've been impressed with their brand of football and I think that they definitely have enough to get out of this group and, and they're going to be, uh, going deeper into this tournament, hopefully, because I do like the brand of football that they're playing as well. Uh, well, guys, before we close out completely, I want to get some, you know, opinions from you guys and, and really want to know what you, what your guys' surprise teams uh, have been so far, because there have been quite a few bright surprises. And, uh, so I'll start with you, Dave. What's, what's been your, your, your biggest surprise uh, in a pleasant way uh, so far for the group stages of the Libertadores tournament? I think, you know, I really didn't know very much about uh, Racing Club or Rosario Central in Argentina. Amando, and, and those two this year have really, really impressed me. Really, really impressed me. Um, really good brand of football. Passionate support. Like, the, the stadiums are, are, are awesome. The fans there are absolutely awesome at, the, at those games. And, you know, it, it, it's very easy to watch. Very easy to get behind. And, and, and those two are, are st- obviously, you know, with, with uh, Atletico Nacional, the Colombian side, we've spoken about already. Um, I didn't know a great deal about them either. So, you know, th- those those are the three teams that, that really, you know, the Boca Juniors, the, the River Plates of this world, we, we know all about. We don't need to hear about. But as I say, Racing Club play a nice brand of football, as do, as do Rosario Central. And, and it's just, at the moment, the, these Argentinian teams, you know, and, and to be fair, to yourself as well, man. The Mexican teams and the Argentinian teams seem to be the, the sort of standout at the moment. Um, you know, certainly for, for, for this phase of the tournament, as, as we go on, that, that may all change. But uh, as I say, th- those have been those have been the ones that I've really, really enjoyed. And, and as I say, that guy, the, the Rosario Central captain, the, the striker, uh, Ruben, I think he's a super player, really, really super player. Um, and, and, and again, hopefully seeing him going through um, the, the knockout phases as well will continue on for a little while longer. Yeah, man, it's easy to overlook, like you said, some of these uh, Argentinian sides when when we're talking about the Boca Juniors also in the tournament and their state, the Bobonera, and that type of atmosphere. But that type of atmosphere is really universal in the Argentinian sides, especially, we've seen that, especially with the sides in this competition. So they, they've definitely been pleasant. The brand of football has been nice. Like you said, Dave, the, the Mexican teams have been a pleasant surprise for me, especially Toluca. I didn't really expect Toluca to be advancing or, or doing this as, as uh, you know, efficiently as they have been. I really expected them to struggle, maybe get the second seed and get out of the group, but I really didn't expect them to win, and they've really been surprising. But it's also like uh, Austin said, and, and, and the, oh, it's the travel that's going to end up costing this team in the long run. I don't think they have the depth. They're trying to get into the top eight and into the playoffs in Liga MX, into the Clausura tournament. So it's really going to be tough for them. They really got to choose uh, where they want to uh, you know, put all their eggs in one basket because they really have to make a decision here soon. Uh, I'd like to see him go for it in Libertadores because, uh, you know, I, I just like to see the Mexican sides advance. For me, you know, that that's probably the most pleasant surprise. Austin, how about you, man? What's been your uh, most pleasant surprise out of this Libertadores group stages? I think the most pleasant surprise to me has been, I think there's one specific match that was really a surprise, and then there's two kind of teams that have been surprising. For the match, 
I think it was the opening match in Group 1 when the strongest went to Sao Paulo and beat Sao Paulo. 1-0 at Sao Paulo's Auxiliary Stadium, the Pacambu in Sao Paulo. That was a stunning result. It was the first win for the strongest in Brazil in a very long time. It was the first loss for Sao Paulo to a Bolivian team at home. There were a lot of records set on that night. They grabbed a goal and they fought off Sao Paulo. I think that was the most surprising match of this tournament as far as sheer result is concerned. And for the two teams that have surprised me, I think the strongest is one of them in that they're in a decent position to qualify out of this group. And the other one is the the team that's along with Pumas probably going to come out of Group 7, and that's Deportivo Tachera from Venezuela. They're sitting on nine points. They've already qualified. And to see a Venezuelan side come out of that group is, is really impressive because Emelec and Olympia are not bad sides. Olympia has won this tournament on, on a couple of occasions. They're, they're out of Paraguay. Emelec is a pretty strong Ecuadorian team. So to see Tachara from Venezuela be able to get out of that group, I think, is really impressive. And the thing about the strongest is we talked about Corinthians as a side that maybe you want to see across from you in the round of 16. The strongest is not a side that you want to see across from you. Because what happens is you have to play 90 minutes at elevation and then anything can happen in the other 90 minutes. And so if you go to elevation and your legs aren't there with you and you take a 2-0 loss, the strongest have shown that they are fairly capable of sitting everybody behind the ball and defending for everything that they have inside them for 90 minutes. And so if they get out of group one, I would not want to play them because as we've talked about, it's so darn difficult to go to elevation and play. And that's what's probably going to keep Sao Paulo from advancing from this group is that you just can't go to the strongest and play your regular style because it just doesn't work against a team that is so conditioned to play at altitude. So the two surprises for me have been the strongest in Tachira. And then as far as a surprise match, it's been the strongest winning on the road against Sao Paulo. I did not expect that. But but as a Paul Maidas fan, I got a lot of enjoyment from that, I have to admit. I bet you did, man. I bet you did. Adam, what are your thoughts so far, man, on, on, on the uh, on, on this, uh, you know, Libertadores and in the group stages? What's the most pleasant surprise for you, my man? Hmm, pleasant surprise. Well, I, I kind of agree with Austin. I think if you have to pick one match, it would be the fact that the strongest somehow beat Sao Paulo in, in uh, Sao Paulo. Uh, that was a, just a remarkable game to watch because not only did they beat them, but they actually deserved to beat them. It wasn't, you know, they had more than one chance to score. Score in 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 that one, uh, and they and they have a great chance of progressing in that group. Um, one win from their last two matches would be enough, or even a couple of draws would be enough. So yeah, I'd I'd, I'd like to see them progress because it's I think it's nice to see sort of the Bolivian and Venezuelan teams doing well. So the progress of Deportivo Tachira has also been quite pleasing to see, especially as they beat the Ecuadorian and Paraguayan current champions. Those the domestic leagues, yeah, that's. Like Austin said, yeah, it's uh, probably one of the biggest achievements actually so far, given the resources that Venezuelan clubs have compared to other teams in this competition. Rosario Central have probably been my favourite team to watch, apart from Atletico Nacional, who have been completely dominant in this. Um, the thing I like about Rosario Central is, and I've said this before on the pod, is uh, is that they kind of remind me a little bit of Pochettino Spurs, which is not something they thank me for because, of course, uh, Pochettino's from the other side of Rosario and Noah's old, old boys. They remind me in the fact that, you know, they really... Um, grab hold of a game. They, they kind of just wear down the opposition with their constant kind of in, in your face attacking. I think Palmeiras suffered a bit from that last week. You know, they, whatever Palmeiras threw at them, Rosario Central kept coming back. And that's kind of what we see from Spurs in the Premier League this season. The, the one big difference I would say is that their defense is, is, is a lot more leak, is a lot more leaky than the Spurs one. But, um, but that's only something which has appeared of late. And actually, uh, Rosario Central lost their first home match for 15 months at the weekend. Um, so that goes to show just how strong they are at home. That was, that was the first time their manager, Eduardo Gurret, has actually lost at home since he took charge of the club. So, so yeah, they, they have a brilliant atmosphere at their games. And, um, it's certainly one of the clubs that are I'll put I'll put time aside. Their fan their fans love throwing stuff at them, don't they? <laughs> I think it was Fernando Pras had a handful of shrapnel in front of the referee at the end of the last game. 
think there's two two games I've watched of theirs where, where the players have gone to the crowd to say, you know, stop throwing things, throwing coins, things like that. And there's no there's no there's no recourse down here for that. Um, you know, the referee basically waved Prass away, wasn't interested, and he literally had like a handful of shrapnel of bits of metal, coins, everything being thrown at him. And, and that's about the only downside, I would say, of Rosario Central. Yeah, well, I, th- I think that's a problem in Argentinian football in general. You know, in, in their domestic league, away fans are banned from matches because of the because of the trouble o- over the years. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one to manage, I think. Although what I will say, it was, it was kind of good to see that there hasn't so far been any uh, any major acts of hooliganism um, in this Copa Libertadores, which is something that we've seen in previous years by this stage. Saving it for the knockouts, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing, Dave. I said, oh, it's early. It's still early, Adam. Yeah, the calm before the storm. <laughs> ah, yeah, man. But I think, you know, guys, this is a good place probably for us to wrap it up. Uh, uh, you know, it's been a good pod, a good little recap on, on what's uh, happened so far and what's to come. You know, next week, it's really all for grabs. There's still a lot to play for. And next week, we really can recap the groups and their entirety uh but before we go adam you working on anything bud you got anything to plug man no not nothing specific at the moment but um just just follow me on twitter at major scores for all updates about chilean football uh proper libertadores action and um and norwich city <laughs> norwich city and san marcos here in chile i tweet about a lot as well so, uh, if any of that, yeah, Adam. Is- but Adam, before you before before you go, Adam, I, I want to ask you a question because it came. Uh, sorry, Mando, it's just something jumped into my head here. No I wanted to ask there. Adam on the pod and and, and and maybe even Austin about Sampali uh, being overlooked by the CBF. I'm just I know, I know that you hold him in very high regard, and we we'd spoken about it. Quite recently, I'm just, uh, you know, Cheech had turned the job down and the CBF, uh, without even approaching Sam Pally, ruled him out straight away. Uh, off the back of the last pod, hardly surprising. What, what, what was your thoughts on that one? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, a couple of people got in touch with me saying that I must be completely mad to suggest an Argentine for the Brazilian job. But um, including Austin, two days later, two days later, he's in the news. <laughs> I believe, I believe, I believe, my quote was: "Adam is trying to start an international incident by suggesting <laughs> that Argentine could manage the Brazilian national side." But my 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 point was is that it's not. You know, I know that they're not going to go for it. But if they came to me for advice, not that they would do that, obviously. <laughs> Um, under any circumstance, but you know they they need to to get back to they they just need a change of identity now, and and they need something radical. And if that means a point in Argentine, then so be it. Um, I I don't think that we see Brazil get back to a World Cup final until they do something completely radical. I agree with that. I agree with everything Adam just said. They definitely need to think outside of the box because. Everything they've been doing and thinking and, and retrying and recycling is just not working, and it's getting very redundant, and it's it's really detrimental to the game, I think, as well. Yeah, they they need they need new ideas from from the bottom up, really. Yeah, I think I think they probably uh, well definitely there, and I'm sure Austin and uh, Dave will agree with this. You know, their their league system needs restructuring. Um, it's absolutely. Ridiculous that they still have that state league. You don't, you up. don't, you don't think teams should play like seventy matches in a year? You don't think that's good for them, Adam? <laughs> that's, oh, no. uh, yeah, that's what they I do now. Two, two, two games, two games in two days as well. Yeah, that's, that's yep. a great league. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Adam is Adam is completely right. Uh, Brazil has a lot of work to do to get back to being Brazil, and I, and I say it in jest in that understanding that that Jorge Sampaoli will never manage Brazil I I would it would blow my mind if that happened but I don't think Adam is insane for suggesting it in the sense that I think it would be beneficial for Brazil if that happened I think the system that they have where they keep rehiring the same old manager who kind of was okay before it it doesn't work it does not work in this day and age uh, the rest of south america has gotten too good to do that in the rest of the world for brazil to be able to do that and rely on talent alone so this side needs a a major overhaul and unless the cbfe has something up their sleeve which they don't uh, i don't know where that's going to come from and and i think adam is exactly right in that this is not the brazil that was so dominant on the national stage and 
frankly, it does not seem like it's going to be the Brazil that is so dominant on the national stage in a number of years. I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Brazilian football a- as we go forward. Yeah, I, I think the I think the famous chant that we always hear in England is just like watching Brazil. I think that's becoming more like an insult these days, to be honest. Yeah, watching Brazil nowadays means uh, one zero ugly matches. Um, I mean, D- Dave can back me up on this, but I think it's fair to say that seventy five to eighty percent of league matches in the Brasileirão are they're just boring. There's no there's no way around it. They just are. They, they finish 1-0, they're at a walking pace, and there's maybe one or two bits of skill the entire match. And then every once in a while, we do get great matches, and, and that's why you keep watching. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. But it's, Austin, it's really, really difficult to become passionate about it. You know, like, I'm, I'm living here over five years now, and, and it's so difficult for me to get a passion about it. There's no, you know, these three-quarter empty stadiums. The, the, the lack of attendance, unless it's a, a you know top grade premium uh, classical or something, it's it, it, it's a product that has not been uh, you know not been marketed well. It's not been thought about. It it it, 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 it beggars belief that, that, that it's in such a football obsessed country that, that it is as bad as and, and those state leagues. I can't even bring myself to watch them. It dated. It it, it it belongs in the Stone Age with Neanderthals. It it, it just shouldn't be taking place. Um, it just, it just baffles me living here. Absolutely baffles me. It's yeah, it's, it's a system that is, that is very broken. Um, and it's tough, but I think for me, and, and so I think the natural question that is begged then is, well, why do you watch Brazilian football if you're sitting here on this podcast and just bashing it about how boring it is? But there are moments of brilliance that, that still happen in these matches. And, and there are games that you don't necessarily expect to be incredible. And then they are. And so you, you sit through Cordichiba playing their ninth consecutive nil-nil draw as they fight to scrape in the Serie A for the ninth consecutive year, it feels like. Because every once in a while, you get a Corinthians 3, Sports Recife 3, a match that just glues you to your seat and you can't leave. And, and it's those type of matches that, that keep me coming back. And, and it's the talent that I'm able to see in this league that keep me coming back. Yes, Brazilian football is broken. And yes, it needs a big fix. But at least to me... That doesn't mean that I'm going to, to stop watching it or, or or stop following it, especially now that I have a club that, for whatever reason, I feel somewhat connected with and is about to crash out of Libertadores, and I'm going to be upset about that. And and that's not where I thought I'd well, sure. be three or four years ago. <laughs> no, sure. We've got Santa Cruz coming up this year. It's going to going to yeah. change everything. Going to add a bit of going to add a bit of color. Going to add a bit of noise. To I the sure thing I and, sure and, hope I so. I sure hope so. But sorry, Mando. We we we, we <laughs> my question is going. We got on our soap. We got on our soapboxes. <laughs> it's it's totally cool. I enjoy it. I enjoy learning. You know, you guys have so much knowledge about that that side of it all. The the Brazilian league and and how it all is. I I could listen to you guys for hours. So I got no problem with it uh but I've, uh, I'm, I'm on though. Uh, i've got uh, i've got uh, just a quick question for you um how are santos laguna doing in mexico at the moment uh you know santos laguna they, they they're okay they they, they got they got luis uh ulises davila back the, the kid that went to chelsea so he he's back in liga mx and and santos they're in the liguilla tournament right now if it were to end they're, they're they're flying high and they're in the playoffs so that's all you can really ask for and then that's a successful season for them right now uh you know, okay. yeah, yeah, they're not going to challenge for the title, I don't think, but but they're consistently challenging for a playoff spot, and they have been for the last few seasons and few years, really. The reason I ask is because I've just seen a quote from uh, the Atletico Nacional president on the future of uh, Marlos Moreno, and uh, it actually sounds a bit like a dig, but <laughs> I'm going to read it out. He says, uh, PSG and Barcelona haven't been in touch, but Santos Laguna have. I think I think he's a bit mixed up because Santos from Brazil have absolutely been in touch and they publicly said yeah, that they've absolutely. been in touch. Yeah, so that's I, what think, I think too. I think it's not necessarily Santos Laguna from Mexico, but Santos from Brazil, which is just so strange that it's their president who's saying this. You'd think you'd know better. I don't know. It's a very confusing situation, but from what I understand, I, I think it's Santos. I'm getting this from a Colombian paper. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And I, I yeah. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like, like Calm said, down, lads. He's, he's going to Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've resolved it. He's going to Liverpool. That's all there is to it. 
Yeah, Santos Laguna don't, aren't going to have the funds for Marlos Moreno. Absolutely not. It's not a destination, that kid. With the options he has, that's not a landing spot for him. Absolutely not. But yeah, man, uh, Adam, again, where can the people find you on Twitter, man, to wrap this up? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I can be found at, at Kanija Scores um, on Twitter. Awesome. Everybody give him a follow. He'll uh, fill your timeline with with a lot of Norwich, uh, Stephen Naismith, just a lot of it, just a lot of it. Uh, Austin, where can the people find you, man? What are you currently working on, brother? Uh, the people can find me at Austin underscore James 906. I will say Adam Brandon is definitely one of my top 10 Twitter follows because I learn a lot about Chilean football, and I learn a lot about Norwich City. And it's phenomenal, and I really enjoy following you on Twitter, Adam, so keep it up. Um, I, I'm I at... <laughs> <laughs> I am at Austin underscore James 906. Uh, it's, a, it's a mix of mostly Brazilian football. I'm a Stoke City fan. That seems like it's kind of gone by the wayside for this year, but that's okay. They're in a fine position. Um, and yeah, I haven't been working on much from the, the soccer end of things lately, uh, other than these podcasts. Been pretty busy here with school and things, um, but looking forward to this summer. Uh, hopefully I'll be able to get out to a couple Copa America matches. I'm really looking forward to that. So it's going to be a good time. Looking forward to this week of games in Libertadores. They never, they never disappoint. Uh, you never know what's going to happen. Um, and then it happens. And, and it's phenomenal. And, and it's always fun to talk about. So looking forward to this week. Palmeiras are going to make it out. I have this feeling. It's going to happen. You're not going to believe me, but I actually have faith oh, that they will. Young. I have faith that they will. <laughs> Dave, Dave, what are you working on, my man, before we get out of here? Absolutely bugger all. But what I will, what I will say is... Um, just, to, just to let the people know, we are starting to plan our summer for the Euros, uh, the Olympics, and the Copa America centenary. We'll be, we'll have all the coverage from that. And I know Austin's got, going to a few games. We've got a, some other guys lined up in the States as well who, who'll be attending games and so on. So, so hopefully we'll, you know, between the three tournaments, we'll hopefully be able to bring you with some decent coverage of it and some decent podcasts over that time. Um, other than that, I, I have nothing more to plug. Yeah, it'll definitely be a busy summer for us, but one that we're definitely looking forward to and then providing you guys with a ton of, ton of content. Um, as for myself, you can just find me at Armando Angulo 12 on Twitter. Uh, I talk a lot of Mexican football, MLS, uh, and, and some baseball. So if you guys want to chat about that kind of stuff, then I'm there. Oh, and Liverpool as well. Uh, but other than that, guys, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks a lot for, for your guys' time, for the panel's time. They're always great with the South American coverage, and it's always appreciated. And until next week, we'll be back to cover a little bit more South American football. But for me and Dave and everybody at Will Football Index, thank you guys and goodbye. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlingbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.